Billiken fans, welcome back. It's Zach Miller, Peter Hale. Uh, it's the Midtown Madness podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Also, comment down below. That was awesome last episode. We 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 mentioned commenting and we had two comments, which sounds small, but that, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so if you if you you know if we talk about something and you want to throw some input in, feel free to leave a comment. Please leave a comment. Um, it's season four, and once again. Our show, the Midtown Madness Podcast, is brought to you by Two Men and a Garden. Uh, Pete, once again, uh, they're you know they're talking about Kellen Thames and and cramping and and how much more that we wish he could uh, be on the floor because uh, he is absolutely electric. And I really think he needs to get himself some Two Men and a Garden pickles at halftime, just like our guy Fred Thatch. Two Men and a Garden is the sponsor of the Midtown Madness Podcast. They're local. They taste amazing. They support the Billikens, and they've got all the flavors to suit your individual salsa preferences. You can pick up their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomenandagarden.com, which if you're particular about your salsa preferences, just like I am, that's where you want to go. They have all their products on the website. Uh, the delivery is fast. It's affordable. Follow them on social at Two Men Salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Pete, once again... Uh, I want to kick off with a little bit of a an issue that I think, well, well it's it's got may, many layers to this issue in this discussion. Um, first of all, we we tweeted, I, I tweeted out that uh, the athletic department or the Billiken men's basketball Twitter account had not tweeted in three days. I want to say uh, between the loss in Charles. No, uh, I forget what what city is that was they were they in uh, since they lost their last game Myrtle, of that tournament Myrtle Beach right the Myrtle Beach tournament um, they had not tweeted they didn't end up tweeting until game day uh, against Dartmouth but they hadn't tweeted in three days and some of the A10 media types uh, the non uh, non slew A10 media types uh, kind of gave me some flack on it basically saying that you know. Uh, the, the, the SIDs handle the Twitter accounts. They're, they're overpaid, overworked. And I mean, I don't know how many times we've been on this show uh, talking about how much, uh, the athletic department is understaffed. Yeah. It's it, look, I think their argument was it's Thanksgiving break, right? right. Like they're, they're, they're taking a break, but I, I can't imagine not having a time to tweet. Like, yes. can't you can't you time yeah. a tweet? Yeah. So like ahead of time, you can, you can schedule things to drop each day. Right. Oh like, yeah. Because I don't know about you, but like you, the holidays, you wind up with a little downtime and sometimes you, you got to take a little break in the next room over at the den or the family or like wherever there's kind of an open couch, you plop down, see what's going on, on, uh, on your you social doom media scroll feed. as you do, you know, yeah, you, and, you, somebody's ruining Thanksgiving right. and you want to, you know, you want to get out of the way and, and, and check yeah. Twitter. Yeah, so so like you you just got to take a five minute breather here and there, and I, not having something like like timed just to drop on Thanksgiving, like hey, here's our game this weekend, or here's somebody's birthday, or here's a fun stat or fact or whatever. Like it, you don't you don't need to be like working like in the office on Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving or or that Saturday, like all these days that they did not say anything. You don't you don't have to be like working 
in the office those days for this stuff to happen. Like it can, yeah. even if you don't time it, like you've got to have a graphic or something ready to go. Right. I mean, like, what am I missing here? No, I, I don't think you're missing much. I think it's, I mean, you watch every, I think every outlet did something about what's your favorite dish at Thanksgiving. Sure. Like all you have to do is just be like, Hey guys, can you take a video of yourself on your phone? Because you watch some of them and they were just, excuse me, camera phone videos. Uh, you know, just do right. that, slap it together, put some fun holiday music behind it, and you're good to go. I And I yeah. don't even need that. Look, like, you have a game coming up. And, and this gets into the layers. You have a game coming up. Are you trying to sell tickets and, and get people in the building or not? Like, the only thing that came up is uh, the athletic department had uh, announced they were offering 100, 200 level tickets for $10 or $5, I think $5, and 100 level for 20 I, I get that. Like, that's fine, but, like, go further. Promote that. Be like, look, like, Black Friday, you know, for Dartmouth only, 100 level tickets for $5, you know, $10, right? right? $10 for 100 level tickets. Do that. Like, that's... That's all you like. I don't you're you're going to send out free tickets to people on a mailing list eventually. Like, why not send out an offer instead? Sure. Yeah. So one of the things Zach, I'm wondering, in, in addition to just like, yeah, basic ideas for actually engaging is we, we kind of commented going into this season. Are are they hiding? Are they being right. hidden from us? Like what's going on? Why is there so little information? Why is it just like little dribs and drabs here and there? Do you think like if, if there's something to the negativity from the fan base right now where they're figuring like no engagement is better than negative engagement? Because like this post after the Dartmouth win, right? Like so oh. so it's a, it's, a, it's a basic basic post where they just put up the score, Instagram right? 66 65. I'm looking at Instagram right okay. now. Okay. I'll go to Twitter. And there's only 11 comments, which is not great for a Division 1 basketball team's official social media account. To yeah. get 11 comments after a win is not great. And the comments are, Travis sucks. This team isn't going anywhere with him at the head. Um, if somebody replied to that with an amen, sh another person says, should not be celebrating this win. Yes. Another one, that shouldn't have been that close. Another one is just embarrassing in, in all caps. Uh, Ford out now. What the hell even is Dartmouth? And I'm not sure I can... Uh, endorse that one no but, my favorite then, is the hooters guy at the end well so there's the yeah, stl so, hooters guy <laughs> so the, the king the stl king of hooters yep yeah so, <laughs> so somebody, used to be me. somebody said that's that's not something to be proud of i um, know it wasn't it someone wasn't says lfg either. right so we can take that as positive another person says good win boys i was there but it was a nail biter but we hung on now on to Tuesday and another win for Coach Ford and the boys. Go Bills and a bunch of emojis. I wonder like whose dad that is or whatever. And then somebody <laughs> says, so, so, and then That's your so guy mean. here, your, your guy here, the, the STL King of Hooters says another one. And it's that the meme with yeah. uh, DJ Khaled or whatever yeah. the dude's name. And, and so then he says, it's just practice until the A-10 tourney. Stay healthy. And then he, he tags like three different players. So <laughs> I'm you know, ele basically 11 comments there and seven or eight of them are negative. And yeah. I'm just wondering if, if they're like, 
do we really want to put stuff out there that we don't have to? Right. If it's just going to be people like fire Ford. Yeah. I mean, you look at Twitter and you've got, uh, uh, the, the Wolverine picture meme, uh, poorly done by the way. Um, you, you know who you are. I'm not giving you credit for that one. Uh, a Schitt's Creek uh, gif. It's just nope. Um, you've got cl- uh, Mr. Rogers wearing a clown mask. Uh, <laughs> I do like that, that one. Then you've got a bunch of uh, P-word bots. Uh, you got a oh, bunch yeah, of porn bots in there. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh, I mean, you know what? Look, I, I did... my first year out of college, I did social media for the ambush. And I will say um, it sucks to get negative engagement. It really is not good for you. Yeah. Not, 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 I'm talking about personally, like it's not good for the person behind the account. Sure. Um, Because you do like, I don't know about obviously like Jane ice, but like I take that personally. Um, like, I think I posted, okay. Like for instance, I got, I posted, uh, a, a black Friday picture. I think it was, uh, of four tickets that I printed off. Like for me, my, my personal tickets that I was going to have for family for the game, but you print them off in their comp tickets. So it says zero on there, zero dollars. Mm. And I just tweeted out a picture of the tickets. Like, Oh got got my family tickets, you know, something like that. Just something funny, but like, People instantly started calling me out for that. For the like, zero dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got it for free. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think there is something to that. Uh, I think it's I think there's something to the 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 negative publicity angle, but also the like, dude, I'm tired. Like, I'm 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 worn out emotionally from the reply guys. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I think I just look, and I and I I do not blame. If it's, I think it's, it's one of two things or one of three things, right? It's, it's either understaffed and they just need time off, which is again, you get into it and you, you already look at how much men's basketball suffered social media wise from women's soccer going as far as they did. Right. Um, and I don't want to say suffered cause that's not fair to women's soccer. They deserve everything they got. Uh, they earned everything they got. Uh, but I think it's it could be the understaffed issue. It could be, like you said, that uh, no publicity is better than negative publicity or attention. Uh, but it also could be the, you know, I just can't, I can't, I can't post anything. Like it's it's wearing on me, which again, I, I feel bad for anyone that has to do social media, but that's kind of, it's kind of the, the gig. Um, I don't know yeah. about you. I, I just think I just don't know like what they're playing it like are they okay like do you have like Chris May going on the halftime broadcast the broadcast at halftime talking about giving Tuesday yeah like what are we running a charity that plays basketball or are <laughs> we running a, a an athletics program that sells tickets and may, and tries to at least recoup some money that way. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any interest. I really don't think they, I, I think I'm convinced that ticket sales are the absolute smallest part of their interest. They have no interest in it. Like single game tickets. 
is this another matter of staffing like we've talked about uh before it's ticket I mean, they staff just... though well yeah sure but you still need like your your social media sports information whatever you still need yeah. you know other people like kind of sounding yeah. the horn for your program yeah i i mean like again you had like slew athletics was it slew athletics had the like three posts on facebook about the deal that that mm. small like that <clears throat> it wasn't a special deal but you know um so i mean there are posts that were scheduled i don't know if those were scheduled you know weeks or months ago right i i just i don't know i right. mean the last time the men's basketball i'll give you i'll let you guess when the last time the men's basketball facebook page posted oh facebook i just take a guess i know you're not I, on I wouldn't even, I, uh i mean i have a facebook account i can't tell you the last time i've seen a post from them exactly uh, yeah it's spring i don't know august 3rd there you go that august is 3rd. and it's november 26th as we record i mean like you you look and like you look at our fan base and they're all on facebook man like the the meat and potatoes right now currently as our fan base uh, you know you're saying they're old they're seasoned they've seen a lot <laughs> They've seen a lot in their time. They they lived through Ecker. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, sure. I get you. I didn't, thank God. Um, but no, I, I just don't it's frustrating, dude. Like you it, as soon as like women's soccer started bleeding into basketball, it, and I guess, you know, Jordan hasn't been around that long. So he he wasn't even full time until what, 2020? Yeah, like, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm just again going out, to, but I guess you know they haven't scaled yet, you know. So I, I right. mean, maybe they they hire his, you know, Cameron, or you know, they hire they go even further. I know I've seen him have assistants out there on the soccer field, like other people taking pictures and stuff. Right. Uh, so I know he has help. I just I think they they need to scale for real, like social media creative. Like you look at, I think somebody sarah wagner the old uh i think she's gone now she was the old uh what was she the uh i forget what she did exactly so i thought she was the the like um the administrative, administrative assistant person yes. for the for the program yes that's correct she did like a instagram or twitter post where it was like uh people want their creative stuff to look as good as so and so but then they don't realize that it's like 30 people Sure. Like so again, you you have to. I mean, I'm not asking for 30 people. Nobody is, but like you've got to be able to handle two games at once on the same. Like you you've got to be able to put out uh, an equal product across two games. Yeah, sure, and and I mean, look, it's not just that. It's like just circling back to what we said in the beginning. They went days without yes. a post, and you and I on our shared twitter account for midtown madness we follow all the other men's basketball programs in the a10 yeah and i can i'm I'm scrolling through it right now and i can tell you dayton basketball does not miss a day um here's on on the 20th like these are non-game days multiple posts on the 20th multiple posts on the 21st uh, multiple posts on well at least one post on the 22nd that was all about their non-conference tv schedule and then on the 23rd which was thanksgiving 
they've got a little video from all the players saying happy Thanksgiving. And then they have something that says happy Thanksgiving. They follow it up by submit your photos. Yeah. Wear wear your flyer gear to Thanksgiving and show us your flyer pride by submitting photos. That's on Thanksgiving day. They've got that stuff. Right. And Mm -hmm. whether that means somebody is, is sneaking out of the room at their own Thanksgiving to tweet that out, or if they had it timed, they're still, they're doing it. Right. So I, I hate to use Dayton as a comparison because I hate you have to so much, but like that's our rival in our conference. That's what they're doing. And in, and on slew side, we're doing nothing, right? Like nothing isn't the alternative to that. We, we, we should be able to gripe about like, oh, I like what they did on Thanksgiving better than what we did, but what we did was nothing. It yeah. And, and, and it's just every day, right? It was, it was the three days leading up to that game, nothing. And then all of a sudden there's a game day post. I, I don't know, man. It's it, so yeah. So the, I guess there are a lot of reasons that we've we've touched it, on. Here, it, it it almost like you it, it bleeds into what you when you're watching the the game. You're like that that cut looks lazy. That looks like they haven't been practicing for three days. You know, it's you you feel like what well, it it's it certainly I certainly I don't think anybody uh, in that sports information department is lazy. But it it's it's the appearance. Yeah. It's uh what is it? Perception is reality. Yeah. I I just look, I, I'm not saying you have to work on, on holidays, man. Just like I'm saying you need to bring in more people so that you're not overworked to the point that you have to give them three days off for you know what I mean? Like you're right. able to be like you're able to ask somebody, hey, would you mind you know, doing a couple posts over the holidays. Would you, would you be able to, you, you don't hire more people. That's the point, <laughs> you know, like yeah. don't, or, or, you know, before you leave the office today, make sure you have a noon post scheduled for the next three days. Yeah. I, I again, I don't know. I, I think my whole point was just bring in, you gotta, you, you gotta expand your staff. It's, it's, a it's, it's how things are moving. It's, I mean, you probably look at Dayton's, uh, you know, athletic department support staff. I bet it's a uh, hundred. It's it's probably fifty percent bigger, twenty five percent bigger. Social media creatives team. I'd sure. I'd imagine. Uh, and and that being <laughs> the SID and 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 uh, Jordan Nice. I mean, so th- it's not hard to to double up what we have, but. Man, I just I just find it hard. Like, I don't, dude. I'm just like, like, why? How do we put in effort as fans when it feels like nobody else cares? I think that's the bottom line, right there. Right is is like if if people are not seeing effort or what is at least can be perceived as effort. Yes. Then then why should they meet that in kind? And we'll get to that with with basketball now, but. It, it, it really, it goes through the whole department, right? It, it just like, give, give me, like, I want to support my alma mater. Give me a reason to feel good about this. Yeah. Give me a reason to engage with you. You know, you talk about answering it in kind and, and I tell you what, uh, that transitions us great into this Dartmouth game because you look at, uh, TJ Hargrove and he gets the biggest responses uh, because he puts out the effort. You see that effort. Now, yeah. does he flex down 10? Yes, he does. Do I like <laughs> it? Not really. But he brings the energy and the effort. 
And I think fans respond to that. Yes, absolutely. So, and, and same goes for Jimerson, I think too. Jimerson, you know, he, he's had a tough go. He is now once again, uh, he is, he is back to, uh, 2021 20, 22 uh and he is now the focal point of the offense and getting molested for 40 minutes a game yeah he sure is and and this uh this dartmouth win 66 65 on saturday the 25th at home was no exception he did have a tough one here right like i think people the whole game were wondering like what's wrong with him what's going on with him but then you look up at the end of this thing and he willed his way to 23 points. And and I, I really think it was sheer force of will. He wasn't, he didn't have it going from three. He was one for six. He was six of 18 from the field, which is definitely lower than what you want. That was a lot of layups. It was a lot of contested layups. It was a lot of, uh, you know, absorbing contact. But he was 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He got to the line a lot. Same way he did against Illinois State, where I think 15 of his 20 points came from the line. Here it was, it was not quite that dramatic, but 10 of 23 is still a pretty big percentage. And, um, and yeah, Zach, you know, I, I, I really think he kind of went into the mode in this one. Like he just, he did not want to lose this game and we just did barely, barely enough to win this one. Do you think it's, I mean, look, you, I, do you think Travis is doing Jimerson a disservice? I mean, with his offense, like I just, again, we talk about that effort and it does not feel like there's any effort to really get him open, whether it being actually running a play for him or the execution of the play. And I don't, and I think the biggest, uh, I think Billikens.com had a whole new post and, and our, our boy, uh, a bomb is just absolutely killing it by the way on Billikens.com. But he posted a video uh, about the weave. And, uh, I mean, it just, and people said it doesn't seem like there's crisp, you know, cuts, there's not, you know, solid screens. There's not, uh, we're not, you know, hustling off the, the pick. Uh, yeah. do you think that this team is just not running? I mean, this has been forever though. We've seen slot this sloppy screens and, and all this for, for years now. Yeah, I, I do wonder why we still have not really figured out how to get him open consistently. Um, he he had been it had been a little bit better in a few games earlier this year without Parker, though. I mean, yeah, you're right back to he's going to draw the toughest assignment. They're never going to give him an inch. They're just going to follow him around and grab and tug and and pull anything they can to keep him from getting a good, clean look. But yeah, you're right. We we also do we we run that with that weave sometimes, and we just don't get any good action out of it. So I sort I do sort of wonder like what purpose that is serving. Um, I really don't know. I thought Eric Pitlick made a really good yeah. point to to you because um, I was curious when he tweeted that. Like I was like, yeah. okay, explain that to me because I'm not like like I understand the concepts of getting people right. open and whatnot, but like action, all that stuff doesn't make sense to me. So he, his his point, he said their offensive sets were off all night, and that was part of a larger point about how bad the overall performance was. And in response to your, your question, he said the timing on their cuts, screens, exchanges, everything was off all night, a lot of indecisiveness and looking around for the guy who will take over, but that guy never showed up. And that's a that's a good perspective because you know he was a he's a former manager at SLU. He's been there more recently than I was, certainly. And um, and so he has that sort of bench perspective and he's kind of looking for those things. Right. 
and I, I think he's right. Like there, there were a lot of times they just seemed out of sorts. Like this seemed like a, like a preseason game almost in, in terms of like things didn't look smooth. Things didn't look crisp. There were guys who would pick up their dribble and not, and not really have the option they thought they would. I mean, there, there was a lot of that kind of stuff. And then we were settling. Some of this is the decision-making of certain players on our team, but we were settling for like heavily contested layups, right? Um, I know I'm laughing because I, threes. I I'm laughing because I know like you're talking like you're yeah. you're doing a callback to a text. Yeah, and, and I mean, yes, I am uh, someone I expressed frustration with in the middle of this game, but like, uh, and now I've now I've lost my my train. Sorry, that's my because fault. I can't. Now well, why I'm don't we? Why don't we just? Layups. Why don't we just? You know, t- Tim Dalger. Yeah, uh, he had a tough game in this one. He did, and and I just I don't understand the shot selection here. And you can look at the box score and go, well, he finishes with nine and eight, and that's pretty good, right? That's productive, but it was just like, uh, not like, efficient. Watch, like, no, watching him play, you're like, you should not be shooting that. Like, he'll he's never seen a bad angle anywhere near the basket that he won't go for, and it doesn't matter if someone's climbing on his back and he's under the foam of the backboard he's going to take that layup like there's just a certain you could draw the tape on the floor if you were a manager right like like i used to do with that pack line but this one would be, be even tighter and it's his zone and once he's inside that zone he's incapable of passing it he he just he, he will not pass it he's gonna take the layup it doesn't matter how many people are on him and every night he's going like you know three for nine from the field and most of those are like close range two-pointers and that's just not when you're his size and he certainly has some speed and 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 leaping ability and a lot of attributes that mean you should not be shooting so inefficiently yeah. uh, from the field and that and that happens every time it's the decision making um Hargrove is has been much better in terms of his efficiency but still there are a lot of decision you know shot selection kind of decision making things that are that are frustrating with him as well um and and in this game I guess I have to give Dartmouth's defense some credit, but like nothing came easy for Slew in this one. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Again, it's, it, but I think it's, it's a lot of Slew makes it so easy for them. It, it's all, it all like, again, you talk about how slow the offense moved and how many times that the guy wasn't there that was expected to be there. It, it felt like they were practicing. Yeah. It was like that scene where they take away the ball. And you just you run it like was it running the puke in semi pro? Sure. Where yeah, like <laughs> it looked like they were just like trying to remember the play. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's no. just they don't they don't screen like there's no intent like there's no first of all, the defense is not like the intensity on defense is there. There's none of these guys can defend well. None of them, personally. So like the 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 you know um, the fundamentals of defense have to be there for press. And that's, that's like, that's kind of a missing, like you kind of think that the press is used to hide bad def- defending players, but like you have to be really sound to press. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's I was all over the be, place there. Yeah. You, I, I know I was ready to make, respond to another point And then you finished with that. Sorry, but, go no, ahead. Regardless, 
I, I will agree that they they look more comfortable in a press than they do in a half court. Team. Yes, that especially goes for the younger guys because I think that they can uh, lean some more on their kind of effort stuff. Yes, you know, and you've got you've got guys like Medley and Thames and 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 Hughes who, uh, especially the last two, who who have some length and some speed and can kind of um, you know be disruptive in traps and, and going forward and, and they're playing all out, right? Like there's a lot of effort clearly, but they looked, they look a little more lost in a half court defense and Thames got into a foul trouble. You know, I think he had four fouls um, in this one and in, in not in what 10 or 11 minutes. Yeah. Um, I, and I look, thought some of them were tough. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, but, but the point is they kind of look a little lost in a half and it's not just the young guys. It's everybody. I would love to be the kind of team with shooters at every position and a disciplined motion offense against this team, because you are guaranteed at some point in the middle of the shot clock, you are going to have wide open looks from three. And I didn't necessarily like, look, that's the case against everybody, right? Like if I just watched this game, I would have thought, well, sure. Dartmouth is coming into this game, shooting 17 and a half percent from three. They're the second worst three-point shooting team in the country coming into this game. So, of course, you're going to give them more room on the perimeter, right? Like, they they may have exaggerated watching them play on on the, some of their roster sizes, but they're, they are a team with a lot of those kind of uh, combo forward type sizes, like six, 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 seven-foot guys. Um, and so you would have thought, well, let's kind of pack it in against these guys, right? Like, let's not let, let's not give them anything easy inside. And um, we're not maybe going to close out as hard as we would on another team. Let's let's tempt them to shoot from three. And for the most part, that kind of worked. They only shot twenty three percent from the three point line in this one, which yeah, it's better than their their average, but that's still pretty bad. And and I would be totally comfortable with that. Um, but it's just it it does it didn't necessarily feel like there was a really distinct strategy around that. Right? It more felt like. We were losing guys kind of the same way we always do. Yeah. Like that wasn't the strategy. It just happened to work out like that. <laughs> it, it worked out because they're a really bad three-point shooter. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was I mean, like, 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 look, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's a little bit of both, but uh, regardless, we just do not, we don't have a sharp half court defense at all um, there. And, and, and I'm f- I, look, Hughes and, and, and Thames and Medley and, and the younger guys, the international players, I get it. Like it's like they're, they're relatively new to this, right? But the um, there's a lot of veterans that yes. start that start for us, and and they're they're missing assignments and not playing great team defense, and and that kind of bothers me. Yeah, I I watched a lot of basketball, and there, and just what what frustrated me, I think, going into this game and, and watching other teams, and then watching the Billikens, not necessarily. I didn't watch marquee games. I, I watched some mid-major trash hoops. Um, but like, I, I just remember Jordan Jad and we saw this kind of a lot on w- when we had really good teams is that, you know, you, a lot of guys just will their way to the hoop and then get like kind of a, a semi tough turnaround and put it up over a guy and it bank it in or like, I don't know. It just, it, and it happens to us all the time. But we can't, we've never done that under, like, we're not doing it now, first of all, and we rarely did it 
I think Perkins was the last one to really do it. Yuri, maybe, but like he didn't really, he didn't really have the strength to do it. But it's just it's frustrating to see that being employed all over college basketball. And like remembering that we used to have teams that could do that, and this team cannot. Yeah, it's a personnel thing. Perkins could do it before he blew out his knee. Um, we have guys who can kind of get to the rim now, but but like I said before, our guy, um, you know, like Dalgers instincts just aren't very good um, from what I'm seeing so far. Um, you know, and, and, uh, Hargrove is kind of in and out. Like he can look brilliant going to the rim. Yeah. And then on the next play, look like it's his first, his first touch of the ball in college basketball. Um, even though he's, I think been more good than bad this season. He really has, except, yeah. except that GD, uh, marauding down the court. He did, uh, where he was dribbling. Like he was in a, in the 1950s. <laughs> out in front of him he was yeah. dribbling uh, uh, uh yeah. that well, was that it that was at the end of the game wasn't it that well, was towards there, the end the other one that i would take issue with was that very last one right with with yes. about thir- 13 seconds left on the shot clock he decides to go take a contested layup and misses it yeah and now and now it's uh you know there's like 20 something seconds left and 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 dartmouth's going the other way with a one point deficit and no shot clock and you go like uh tj Love you, bud. You've had a good game, but why, why, why did you take that layup? Like, un- unless that was just wide open, unless they were giving you the middle, which, by the way, other teams had earlier this season, kind of giving us the middle like that. Um, why would you do that? You you've got to make that shot. If you make it, fine. We're up three against the worst three point shooting team. Uh, so that's so I'm all right with that. But he he didn't, and it looks like just a a, a boneheaded decision. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was rough. Do you know, I want to talk more about, uh, TJ, but I want to talk about the, the play that you and I disagreed on, uh, the foul, uh, where I legit thought that like, uh, what's, I can't remember his name now, Mitchell day. Yeah. I swear to God, he hauled off and and punched him in the ribs legit or the kidney legit. Like I thought, like I thought it was premeditated. So, so like, this is the this is the play where there was a screen and Hargrove had his back to Brandon Mitchell Day yeah. of MICDS, who is a sophomore at, at Dartmouth. And on the replay, it looked like just kind of, I don't know, incidental contact. His elbow got the kidney and it was just a perfect shot. You're saying it was it was vindictive, it was intentional. I, I, I need to pull it up again, but like you could watch it and and just by like there was an extension of the elbow. You could see the elbow extend. Yeah. And then you could also like, it was the timing, right? Cause it looked like he almost like pointed at Hargrove. Like he, he like made somebody aware of Hargrove and then put it in. It just felt the timing of it was just like, like, what do you do? Like he knew he was going to back up and yeah. he was about to let Hargrove know you're not going to do that. You you may be right. You may be right. I I don't know, but um, please comment do comment down below comment, yeah. whether or not you, you thought that was that was intentional or not. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, what I do know is that you could hear Hargrove screaming above <laughs> everything else, like on the broadcast. You could hear him screaming, and that's never a good thing. Um, you know, luckily it was like okay, kidney shot. I think he'll be back in, and and yeah, that's that's the case. That's what happened. He was back in a few minutes later. Uh, but man, oh man, was it scary for a moment? It really was. Um, we talked about uh, another. We talked about Jimerson in another 
weird uh, play was the goaltend. Yeah. Uh, and, and you put out on Twitter, you know, when did this become a rule? Like what's going on? And I was kind of, I kind of knew it was a rule, but I had a different like take on it. And then like, I don't understand why, why it's, why they wait to review it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a new rule this year. Like just to, just to be clear with everybody they're they're allowed to do that this year. And that's so why just, we've so seen that twice now. What you're saying oh. is, is, they are uh, on a goaltend. They are allowed to review goaltends, but only if the, it's called on. It's called at the time. If it's, yeah. they can't go back and look at something that might have been a goaltend that they didn't call. It's goaltending or basketball interference. Basket uh, interference. Sorry, basket interference, and they're able to do it at the next media timeout. So I think that, and it is, has uh, to be called on the floor. It has to be called as a. It has to be called as a basket interference or goaltend at the time. Yeah, I will. I will read the official language just to be very clear with it. Right. Uh, officials will be able to review goaltending. Or sorry, officials will be able to review goaltending basket interference calls during the next media timeout to ensure the calls were accurate as long as the official calls it on the floor. If there is a foul on the shooter while the ball is in the air with a goaltend or basket interference call, the review would be immediate to properly adjudicate potential free throws. So, yeah, so so they say it can be reviewed as long as uh, it was called on the floor, right? What? So I don't think you can review it if it was not goaltending. Right, right. So My, the incentive for the ref here is when in doubt, call the gold sending and then review it at the next media. Yeah, I see that. But that's see again, though, like it doesn't make sense that they can't just review it right away because it's a, it's a it's a dead ball. Gold tens are a dead ball. So right. why not just review it in the point? Because you yeah, talk about that, that two points. That's the difference in strategy. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Like, if you're going to review it, just do it right. Yeah, because if you are ma- if you don't make the call, you're right. It's not a dead ball. But if but if you do, it is. So just go ahead and go over to the monitor right then and there instead of people being like, wait a minute, weren't we up 70 to 68? Exactly. And not tied? <laughs> like, or, or whatever whatever the reversal is. I know the first time it happened, uh, um, and now I'm already forgetting the circumstances, but it did feel like it was later. Maybe it was just later that everybody noticed yeah um but it felt like it was later than just one media timeout like it felt like it was much later and and i don't think we knew it wasn't it it was it was at home that it happened yes original i don't know but i I don't know it's just like figure it out immediately don't wait that's my point Yeah. yeah um let's see let's talk about that final uh that end game scenario because that was fun Oh, wasn't it? And it's it's a situation we never should have been in, Zach. You know, we no. were up 11 at halftime after back-to-back three-point plays and ones from both Jimerson and Hargrove. So you're up 11, right? And, and in a half that didn't really feel like it, you come out in the second half, Dartmouth goes on an 8-0 run to start the half. And it was never, you know, I mean, it was it was close the rest of the way. We could never pull away. So Slew has the ball up one with just over a minute, uh, a half minute remaining with 13 seconds left on the shot clock. Hargrove drives for that contested layup and miss it, missed it. Dartmouth then gets two really strong chances to win it. The first was a missed two-pointer close to the basket with Jimerson kind of, he, I mean, look, he did a great job guarding 
uh, the much bigger Jackson Monroe. Yeah, it's fantastic. So he had him down in the post, right? Monroe had Jimerson um, back to the basket and missed it, got his own rebound, and then kicked it out to Dusan Neskovich, who's probably their best player. Um, And he had, man, it seemed like an eternity. Time to get his feet set. He, I think he even looked down at his feet to make sure he was behind the line. And that is why he missed it. Which uh, he didn't need to do because they were down one. And he shot a wide open three and missed it. <laughs> I, I just like, I was, it, it was like that St. Bonaventure miss in the conference tournament. Yeah. Where I was a hundred percent sure the ball was going in and it didn't. And that was my, that was, that was my late uncle swiping it off the rim. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, just give it just giving it a little like like a yeah. little exactly <laughs> it's like the sixth man just except travis ford off. wasn't on the court so dartmouth fouls after they missed that with a half second left hughes actually missed the free throw but they get the rebound and the game's over at that point um i don't know what you thought here zach but it seems like a real breakdown to me if you are up one with under a half minute of play no shot clock and your six five six six shooting guard winds up guarding their big one on one in the post, and not only that, and he did a, an admirable job doing it. But not only that, they wind up with the most open look they've had the entire game, um, from 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 three. I, it just seems to me like like what multiple breakdowns, multiple breakdowns in the last half minute there. I mean, does it surprise you at all that we had a defensive breakdown anywhere in the game? No, I mean, it doesn't, uh, but it, but it's still like, and and yeah, and uh, this, this Dartmouth team, I think they had, they had scored barely 50 in their other two games. They were averaging, I think 51 against yep. division one teams and they, they wound up scoring 70 or something against the lower division Westfield state in their only win. This is not an offensive juggernaut at all. We've already talked about how they're one of the the worst shooting teams in the country. But still, like, like I don't know, like just straight up guard them on this last play. Like, how, how do you wind up with multiple breakdowns like that? Well, it starts with, uh, well, two big men on the bench, uh, either both ineligible. Uh, it starts with, uh, or it, it continues with uh, your uh, two pro. You you have a, the only two pr- uh, bigs that are eligible are project bigs. Uh, you're playing a six foot five forward guard combo guard or four power four or forward guard combo at center. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's how that happens. I dude, I just everything like. I hate that every loss in this season is going to be looked at under the microscope that we didn't have all our, we didn't have, you know, sincere Parker. Oh, we don't have any bigs. Um, then sincere Parker. Fine. The bigs problem is a Travis Ford. That is a self-inflicted Travis Ford issue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so that's that's what you're left with is you're going to have situations like this. I mean, look, Hargrove and, had a good game. Set, oh, go ahead. No, and and, and you're going to have situations like this, fifteen times a night, twenty times a night, yeah, thirty times right. a night, and right. you're just going to get toasted. Like the the tweet with everybody 
with the numbers. Is that Ken Palm? I assume that's Ken Palm. Yes. Yeah. With the where we um, aren't favored in any game until uh, I mean, and that's only like until January night. And, and I right. would say that probably I didn't look, but I would assume it's not any better after that. Not well, I mean, we'll, we'll run into like, you know, LaSalle and some lower tier yeah. A-10 teams, right? Like like that. There, there still are still no, bro. Believe it or not, there are a few A-10 teams below us in the ratings right now. So so we will run into them. But who knows how things shake out for everybody over the next you know month or two um, in the meantime. Um, look, Hargrove had a good game. He had 17 yeah. and six in this one, even though we frustrated us at time. Who I thought had a weird game, Zach, is Mike Meadows. He has twelve early and then nothing, right? And 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 it wasn't just like he he went cold. He just he didn't shoot anymore. He wasn't getting to the rim anymore. He did. He I thought he defensively he was a little bit better than most out there. Um, I still kind of like when we run the the Meadows Medley combo at defense. Sometimes um, I don't know if it was the best matchup in this game, but um, I do like seeing them run at the same time and against certain guard. Uh, combinations i will say the young guys in this one hughes thames medley we've we've been advocating a lot for giving them more minutes um i I think your point is if we're gonna suck we may at least give them some experience uh this wasn't this game was not the best yeah no i i looked like shit (laughs) because you know hughes hughes went cold he didn't really do much uh thames got in foul trouble medley had a quiet game um, but again, they did look more comfortable when we were throwing more pressure at Dartmouth. You know what interests me? Uh, do you think, well, Mike, I'm going to ask a question and I promise I will actually ask a question and not answer it. Um, do you think Travis is interested in feeding the hot hand? Cause I don't know. I would say no. I'm I'm looking at my, no. and the, the uh, this is spur the 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 context is Mike Meadows had those twelve early points yeah and it felt like we didn't even try yeah and not only that like um there there were a lot of other times where uh, I think after Thames had that big dunk he he had the you know the hanging on the rim thing um, but then he got taken out within the next minute or so after that and uh, I, I I've seen that a lot this year where you feel like somebody is 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 feeling it you know and then they get they get subbed out <laughs> i don't i don't <laughs> understand the substitution patterns at all this was this may have been the first game where i really noticed it too where i thought kind of the sub patterns were uh, unproductive right i mean because because dartmouth is a team you could very easily and should very easily put away with a run or a, or two runs so you just need one hot player against them and you can really put them away because they're not a team that's going to climb back from a big deficit. I think we went over this last year. It seems like Ford is like allergic to runs. Like he doesn't want to get near them. Like he's like, Oh, we're up 12. That's fine. Throw in the subs, like put the team away. This is like this again. This is what I'm talking about where it's like, he doesn't punch. He, he rope a dopes or, or it's the thing where we actually do put together a run and then we abandon everything that, made us play well and then give up the lead right like i'm thinking about george washington last year yeah where i think we went between the end of the first half and beginning of the second half it was like a 24-0 run and and we were running away with the game at george washington they proceeded to then the rest of the second half come back and put it to within three and we held on for the win but you're like 
like we were having fun. This was a laugher. And then all of a sudden you're again, you know, puckered on the edge of your seat. <laughs> like it's just not, it, we just never put a team away. So, so I think that's the other factor, right? Like even, even when we do have the runs, we have a, a, more than a tendency, I would say to, uh, to cough those up. I, I wonder if he's like over complicating. I think he overcomplicates things, man. I, I think there's something to that for sure. I think he wants to manage the game. I think he wants to he wants to prove that he can he can you know coach a game. Yeah. Uh, I think I wonder if it has you know I wonder if that reputation gets to him, and that he's trying to out outplay that reputation. Right, and you can you can almost see like the overthinking happening. Yeah, like in, like that in, in like the, the George Washington game, like. Okay, does he does he go into the locker room trying to play 4D chess when really he only knows how to play checkers? Is he going in there and he's like, "Okay, they're going to do this, so we're going to just go ahead and switch into this on uh, ahead of it. Like, we're going to get ahead of whatever they're going to do to counter us. So we're going to switch and then you're like, "Why? We are kicking their ass." They had no yeah. answer. Yeah, I think sometimes you just got to play it old school and ride it out until they cool down or until somebody gets an extra foul or whatever, whatever reason there is to, to, you know, to make that extra sub and, and, or, or call a timeout or whatever it is to that, that may end a run. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I really, I think you just got to let it like when you're, when your guys are feeling it, you got to have enough faith in them at this level to let them play. And, um, and yeah, the sub sub patterns I thought in this game were, were unproductive and and maybe that is a result of overthinking things a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, you, I, I think he gets caught up in, in little mistakes and it, it, like that fine detail he gets caught up in and it's bizarre because everything's going right on, on the grand scale. And then yeah. like, like, like say like Meadows was heating up. And then Meadows, you know, throws the or not. Let's not say throws the ball. Let's say like, you know, I don't know, misses a screen or whatever. Something that doesn't actually end up mattering. And the right, runs right. keep the run keeps going, but he decides to take Meadows out at the next dead ball. And it's like, dude, he just scored twelve points. Like, let him let him fire. His shot was looking good. It like really it was. was. It looked smooth. great. Yeah, and his numbers for the whole game were were good, right? I think he was two of three from three. Like, it's not like I said, it's not like he got cold. It just wasn't, uh, you know, it just wasn't really, we weren't looking, he, he wasn't getting looks the rest of the game. I'll put it that way. Slew wound up being 38% from the field, not great. Four for 15, 27% from three, and then 16 of 21 from the line. So it's a funny thing, Zach, that a Travis Ward team has evolved into a really good three, or sorry, free throw shooting team. Um, but we are not the three-point shooting team that he promised. You know, 30 a game was the number he threw out before the season, and here oh, we are at half I of that. I tried to believe it. There, there are going to be games, and and there were earlier this season against like truly inferior competition where you can just feast at the rim and 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 get to the free throw line and stuff like that. And if you're not shooting thirty threes, fine. But in other games, you know, to shoot in this one half of what you, you said you might shoot is is not great. And look, I know we were four of fifteen, but um, I I still think uh, there there should have been ways to be getting guys better looks. Jimerson was one of six, but he did fire up a few from, from 30 feet away. Uh, one of which he made actually. He did get one blocked, which I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which that, again that, that, is that. to the point. We're not, we're not doing enough to get him open. 
That's right. Yeah. And it's a, it's also a result of Dartmouth's size. They they did out-rebound Slew by two. Uh, not entirely surprising when we're not shooting it great and they're a bigger team and we're just getting out-rebounded by everybody. But one thing I like, Zach, we only turned it over six times. And I think that's kind of been a calling card this season. With with a few exceptions, we're we're really at least protecting the ball pretty well. Yeah. I think I think it has a lot to do with just having a bunch of guards out there. <laughs> that's 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 true. I mean, that's uh, part of it, right? I didn't we didn't see I, I was bummed that we didn't get much of Bruce in this one. Um, he hasn't been very good. Well, it's he's not gonna get better if he doesn't get a little run. Yeah, that's the tough thing, right? Like in this one, he gets taken out after a not great shot attempt. Um, the one he yeah. airballed from 16 feet away and, and, and look like, a, yeah, I, not a great shot. But it was, still, it was a, uh, it was a Dirk Nowitzki too. It, it was, was a fadeaway. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it, and was, it was awesome. Look. But, but I, I, sometimes I think like, instead of burying a freshman on the end of the bench after doing something like that for the rest of the game, let him make up for it. Like, you know, like, like go let, let the guy have another shot. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I think you, I think you tell him like play within yourself, but make up for it. Don't try to do anything. You know, you can, you know what I mean? Like, that's cause right. that's the, that's play within yourself. That's a good that's way to what, put it. That's what you want to, that's what you want to avoid. Right. Is Bruce going out there and trying to make up for it and forcing something and getting, you know, a foul or whatever you turn the ball over. No, just Bruce settle down. Mm-hmm. Go out there, play how you know how to play, and that's how you'll make up for this. Have faith Don't in your guys. Yes. You, you recruited these guys. Have faith in them. You, you're you're going up against one of the worst, you know, all around teams in the in the country, um, unfortunately. But but still, like it's an opportunity for them to get some good experience. And and I I got to think if Bruce plays a few more minutes, you know that that's a little bit better for his confidence. I worry about the short leash on some of the younger guys being a confidence issue, you know, and when we've seen it time and time again with freshman bigs is they have a short leash, they get yanked for a, a mistake or a, a bad shot attempt and they transfer at the end of the year, you know, like it's just, I, I, I don't really like the, the way that that, that pattern is playing out. Oh, uh, a hell of an intro, by the way, Scott Warman in this one to the game, I don't they know come I off it. a decent stretch where they win one of, three uh, they go one and two in myrtle beach and it's like scott a uh, good stretch really one and yeah. two. <laughs> oh man do you like i just i don't know everything seems just so unfocused and unserious yeah and and that's that's another point zach is like okay so this is a game neither team got much in the fast break right like like which dartmouth wants they want to get back on defense but once again it feels like you're this is slew letting their opponent dictate the pace and style of the game you know not i'm not suggesting that slew's like a run and gun team or the, but like, to be completed. fair to be fair travis ford has said they're gonna get out and run they're gonna press and once again against a team that's patently horrible. Sorry, yeah, is horrible. Impose your will here. If not, I now, liked when? our pressure. I liked our pressure in this game because I didn't think their ball handlers were that good. Um, you know, they're they're not a super athletic team. They want to play a little bit slower. Um, it, it's just you know that's that's when they looked uncomfortable, right? And and 
I don't know. So they just they didn't let Slew get anything in transition, and then we looked discombobulated at 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 both ends sometimes. And this is after Zach. This is after a stretch where Slew has six days to prepare for this game. Yes, Dartmouth had ten days off before this game, but like when you're supposed to be the much better team, six days is a lot of time to be ready, uh, even with a Thanksgiving break in there. Um, that's a that's a lot of time to be ready for an opponent to be rested to be prepared to have a team really scouted um so i don't i don't know and and yet you have the comment from ford after the game where he's like we just haven't been playing well in practice lately and well, why and the hell not travis th- i i that, that that was my question it's like like follow up on that like you you say like he he said i wasn't why shocked by this performance tonight up? because we didn't look good in practice it's like well why yeah you had a lot of time to prepare for this game and this is not you didn't have six days to prepare for Kansas. Like you had six days to prepare for Dartmouth. And so why, why didn't they look good in practice? Like what's going on there? Um, Too much fun in Myrtle beach. Like what's, you know, like, Uh, I I just, I don't quite get that. Like I've, I've been in enough practices to know that you have a bad day here and there, but you don't have like a whole bad week of practice, right? Like generally it's like, you find the things that are not going well in practice and really address those um, and, and make sure it doesn't become a stacking of, of bad days. I, I, I really, I, I kind of don't understand that at all. And, and it, and I thought, uh, I don't know who actually replied. I know it wasn't a slew account or like a slew uh, fan account, but it was, you know, uh, it, it's kind of your job, Travis, to to make sure they do, like you said, like, and it seems like he's putting it on the players here. Yeah, which, I mean, that's always the case. Sometimes that's true. Like I, I've seen, there are plenty of times in in back back in my day where I felt like our game plan was fine, like we were we were prepared fine, and and the guys just like didn't have it that day, right? But again that's not every day there are other times where like we got out coached we got outplayed uh we were not prepared we got sucker punched it's not the players every time and i i think our coaches in the past be it um majeris or soderberg um i'm I'm thinking of specifically of times where they kind of took accountability at times and said you know we we didn't go about this the right way they were just a little more frank about how they did things soderberg i think actually probably to a fault like took too much blame sometimes but i i just i don't like that like here in year eight to say we had an entire bad week of practice and they're just not playing well and hold on in how many years of travis ford as a head coach like travis ford has been a head coach for how many years in yeah and he uh, like settles for a a, a not great week in practice yeah i I feel like you're playing you're practicing on majerus court you better fucking figure it out i i feel like one and a half days into a week that's not going well you kind of like blow the whistle and go guys you know let let's let's address these things right here and now so that they don't spill over and 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 embarrass us against a, a a 300 plus level team he he sounds like me when like i get in trouble in like high school well i i for i for various reasons i didn't do my homework i'm not willing to tell you but it, yes. it definitely wasn't staying up late playing tony hawk <laughs> like i i don't 
Like, what are you doing, dude? Just, uh, and again, everything kind of feeds into these little things. You talk about like the athletic department being secretive. Travis Ford has always been secretive. And it's like, just let us in. Let us understand. Tell us why. Tell us why. Unless it's, unless, unless somebody had a parent die, you know, like, unless it was medical, like, some serious medical emergency or so. you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah come on man yeah well you know i think we can put a bow on this one zach uh, uh no we but you we are not putting a bow on this one we are putting a piece of string <laughs> on the G- twine just a this lid is, yeah yeah we'll put a lid on it but slew is now three and zero against dartmouth all time they played them in 1951 and 1971 i thought this was really interesting I we are now tell. 13 and 0 against the Ivy League, having played and beaten every team in the Ivy League except Brown. Uh, so I, you know, I now I'm on a mission. Let's get Brown on the schedule. I agree. Next year, let's be let's, perfect against the whole Ivy League. Let's get Katie Shields to talk to the women's soccer coach. That's to right. Talk to their men's basketball head coach, and let's get this going. Yeah, and and like women's soccer, we'll even play at their place. Brown's gym, by the way, is like a high school gym. It's amazing. Uh, I think that would be a fun so it's atmosphere. it's Gola. Oh, it makes it makes Gola look like where the Sixers play. I mean, it's it's it is small. It's really small. Uh, four walls that are very close to you. Um, but anyway, it's the uh, the Hoosiers bandbox. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Um. Yeah did you did you hear the the little blurb about the nineteen fifty one? from brown's like student paper or whatever dartmouth yeah or, yeah they, dartmouth sorry where, where they were wondering why they were playing slew and not wash you yeah 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 the way the thing was written was pretty hilarious it was it, it had a lot more character to it yes well it i was, think it was the it, alumni newsletter oh uh, it was an old it felt very old-timey like Oh, why don't we, why are we playing wash you if you asked me what year that was from i would have guessed like 1920 21 <laughs> and not 1951 step it, it on was, up to yeah, it was very weird step on up to west pine gym to watch dartmouth play the billikens maybe in that's a game a of round ball it's probably a function of it being the alumni newsletter right like the student newspaper in 1951 would have sounded completely different yes than the guys who actually did go to school they actually grew up 20s, in the 30s 20s. and 40s right? yeah uh, let's go around the A10, and my goodness, is this uh, like uh, this is the Rocky Mountains, just up and down, up and it's, down. I think every every week is going to be a wild one in this league. Uh, but on Monday yeah, the twentieth, wait, hold on, can you wait? I, I mean, I can't wait for the A10 Pick'em contest. Oh God, I'm just picking against Slew for those first games. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a blast this oh, year. it's going to be crazy uh, i think everybody will be out by week two yes um monday the 20th this was a really interesting result kentucky 96 st joe's 88 in overtime at rupp arena uh man that would have been a fun one to pick off colorado 64 richmond 59 kent state 79 fordham 72 and George Mason rescues the league on this day with a 73-71 win over South Dakota State. Oh man, you know what? I, I, like I said, I'm out on on rooting for the A10 to win games. You're just I'm like burn on, it, burn it all down, burn it down, burn down the uh, the uh, the top of the athletic department here at SLU and burn down 
uh, the Atlantic 10 in the non-conference. Tuesday, the 21st, Duke 95, LaSalle 66. Richmond 82, UNLV 65. Davidson 69, nice. Uh, Boston 45, uh, that was... That's a that's a that's cakewalk uh for two of the three teams. Yeah. Quite a defensive performance there by uh by LaSalle Davidson. Uh yeah, LaSalle, not so much. Um Richmond can really score, by the way. Um Wednesday the 22nd, Creighton 88, Loyola never in it, 65. Uh Rhode Island 97, Johnson and Wales 59. That is not a D1 school for anyone wondering. UMass 89, Central Connecticut State 60. They call Saint it J-Woo. Do they really? Yeah. Johnson and Wales. Yeah. Uh, St. Bonaventure 67, Bucknell 61, Nebraska 89, Duquesne 79. Uh, Thursday, the 23rd, uh, Loyola 71, Boston College 68. This is one of those looks good, but like not really. Boston College I, after this game, I think I am ready to make them an A10 member because oh. no power conference team loses more consistently to the A10 than Boston College. I They're would, right. Boston They're College would map. be. Oh, oh, be. They can stay in the ACC for football. They, yeah, we don't have a we don't have a Boston school, right? We have oh. UMass on the other side of the state. I know it's a small state. But we need on. a flagship for. Is what you're saying is we need a flagship. For the plant, state of Massachusetts, plant our flag in uh, what is it, Chestnut Hill? Uh, sure. Where Boston College is. I thought, yeah, I don't, yeah, sure. Uh, as long as they don't bring uh, Henry Hill with them. There you go. Um, that was a great thirty for thirty, by the way. Uh, Iowa State sixty-eight, VCU sixty-four. Loved the Schadenfreude of this one. Pull the rug. They think they got it. Nope. Oh, <laughs> you got to be quicker than that. Yeah. Yeah, for I sure. Loved it. Friday the 24th, St. Mary's 89, Davidson 55. Yikes. Hmm. Uh, Dayton 77, Youngstown State 69. Nice. George Washington 99, Ohio 94 in double overtime. And then Boise State 65, VCU 61. Another tough win uh, in a row for VCU there. Uh, wait, VCU lost that one. So what did I say? Tough win, tough loss. Yeah. Uh, tough loss, yes. Uh, Saturday, the 20th or 25th, St. Bonaventure 90, Miami of Ohio 60, Mason 81, East Carolina 59, uh, Richmond 90. Again, they can really score it. Yeah, Queens, one guy. But it's against Queens uh, 61. Uh, UIC 89, George Washington 79. Yeah, that was a game where I was like, oh, no, UIC is pretty good. We're playing that. And then I realized, oh, it's the women who are playing UIC next, not the mm -hmm. men. Um, Sunday, the 26th, VCU 86, Penn State 74. This this one was over by the time I got home from the grocery store. I was like, wait, did they play at like 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning? And the answer is yes, they did. Yeah. A very weird time. But VCU gets a little bit of uh, revenge there over their former coach. Uh, uh just makes me sad. And a couple former players too. Yes. Um uh LaSalle six or eighty-two, Coppin State sixty-two, St. Joe's sixty-four, Sacred Heart fifty-five, Rhode Island, uh big comeback to beat Yale at home, seventy-six, seventy-two. And George Washington, I think, also made a, a comeback to win this one, uh eighty-one seventy-one over Delaware. 
Oh, man. The A10. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Always entertaining, Zach. It's never dull. Uh, no, it's not. Next up for the Billikens, Pete, tell us what's going on with Utah State, the 28th. Yeah, Tuesday, the 28th. We host Utah State. Um, they're five and one. They've got wins over Stephen F. Austin, Akron, Marshall, Southern Utah, and South Dakota School of Mines, also a lower <laughs> division school. Uh, the only loss was at Bradley in overtime. Bradley still undefeated, by the way. Uh, Danny Sprinkle's first season as head coach, taking over for Ryan Odom, who left for VCU. Sprinkle was pre- previously at Montana State, and his whole career has basically been out on the West Coast where he's from. Uh, so naturally, this roster has a lot of transfers. His top two players from Montana State came with him. First one is a guy named Great Osobor, who is 6'8", 250 pounds. He's a forward originally from England, and he averages right now, Zach, 20.5 points per game and 10 rebounds a game, along with three assists and two and a half blocks. He's a load inside. He shoots 62% from the field. He's a pretty good free throw shooter, 66%, so you can't just hack him. Uh, He is a little turnover prone, uh, which might be something to exploit if we're kind of giving up a little size there, but he's going to be a problem regardless. The point guard is a 6'2 senior named Darius Brown II. He averages 11.7 points a game and a Yuri Collins-like 7.8 assists per game. He's an excellent free throw shooter. He's 40% or actually over 40% from three. So he's going to be a tricky uh, assignment as well, uh, I assume, for Meadows. Um, Mason Fallslev is a 6'3 freshman guard who averages 11.2, 4.8, and 3.8. He shoots almost 64% from the field, but so far he's not great from um, either the three-point line or the free-throw line. And then Josh Uduje and Ian Martinez both score 9 to 10 points a game, shoot about 50% from the field. Overall, they're one of the more efficient scoring teams in the nation. They average 52% from the field. They're almost 60% inside the arc. They move the ball around well. They're a solid rebounding team, and they've been scoring 81 points a game so far. They don't shoot a lot of threes, just about 17 per game, but they also defend the perimeter really well. Teams are hitting only 22% against them. Um, They like to disrupt passing lanes, kind of like a Majerus team. Teams are getting just 8.3 assists per game against them they haven't played a super challenging schedule but sprinkle is known as a hard-nosed defensive-minded coach who preaches toughness it seems clear in the early going that uh that they are going to be a defensive uh, a tough defensive matchup and scoring over 81 points a game too does not hurt or screw their chances <laughs> i you would like to think utah state i mean yeah they're always pretty good but you would like to think against a, a first-year coach we wouldn't be saying that, but I, I sure going through this, Zach, I don't love the matchup. I got to say. No, not at all. I mean, you talk about they, they basically uh, do well in things that we don't do well against. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a problem. It, I just. Uh, and they've got a really, really good big man. Uh, the dumbest part of this week upcoming is that this Carbondale game appears to not be on TV. Which is depressing, confusing, but yeah, so far it looks like on both our official website and theirs that the Saturday's second game at Carbondale is not going to be televised. They're really going to make a drive. They're really going to do it, aren't they? Maybe that's what they're trying to do. This is for the gate. Um, I don't know, Zach, but I do know that Carbondale is 4-1 and one overall. They've beaten Kentucky State, which is a D2 team. 
Queens, a new D1 team, Chicago State, and New Mexico State. Um, Chicago State, which is, I think, the only independent left in D1 because of the issues they've had. And then New Mexico State, which has a new coach and an entirely new roster. And Sands uh, Sodomy. Yeah, and and they're uh, based on everything that went there last year. So Carbondale's only loss is to James Madison, which is a 6-0 and team and is currently ranked in the top 25. It's really hard based on that to say how good they are because they've played four bad teams and lost to one really good team. So Wait, I just, they're I, ranked? James Madison oh, is. Oh, holy shit. No, 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 no. Holy yeah, James smokes. Madison's really good. Yes. Yeah, no, I know that. I just um, they, missed it. Sorry. They they will have played Indiana State by the time we face them as well, which is odd, but the Valley did this last season too. They play one conference game in the middle of the non-conference schedule. Uh so so everybody plays a conference game right now. It's it's weird, but whatever works. Um speaking of last season, SLU won that contest 85-72 at Shafitz Arena. Brian Mullins is in his fifth year as head coach. He's coming off a 23-win season, his best since taking the Carbondale job. Everything there runs through fifth-year player Xavier Johnson. We actually know him a little bit from his first three seasons at George Mason. Last year, he scored seven points a game, pretty much in line with what he did at Mason. But this year, with Marcus Domask having moved on, he's averaging 23 points a game, 3.2 rebounds a game, and five and a half assists. Uh, which is crazy. Like, like he's basically been a seven-point scorer every year, and now he's tripling his production. The only other di- double-digit scorer is Jovan Stulic, um, a 6'5 Serbian grad transfer guard from Little Rock. He averages 10.4 points a game. Trent Brown, another senior. All three of these guys are either seniors or grad students. Uh, he averages 9.8. And then the next four guys, based on scoring average, are all juniors. And they're all between 6'6 and 6'10. So you've got three senior guards who score. You've got four juniors behind them who are all forwards, big men. Uh, Kind of an interesting roster. And then they've got a freshman from Vashon named Kennard Davis, and he's scoring about 3.4 points per game. He's their eighth man. Uh, There's always a local kid on this team. And always, uh, you know, as always, the slew recruited. I want to say three guys on this roster. So, So there's a little bit of intrigue, matchup intrigue there. Um, Carbondale shoots almost as many threes as twos per game. So they, they shoot a ton from the arc. The top four scorers, Johnson, Stulich, Brown, and a guy named Troy D'Amico, who slew recruited, by the way, they all shoot between four and six, three pointers a game. And they make them at about a 39 and a half percent clip, which is in the top 10 nationally. So be ready for that. They also defend the perimeter really well. Teams are only shooting 15 threes a game against them and hitting Barely 25% of them. will fit so, right in. Yeah, the overall num- numbers at the defensive end are pretty comparable to Utah State's, actually. Um, but it's hard to say exactly how good they are defensively, given the weak strength of schedule so far, with the exception of that James Madison game. So they're not as good as James Madison. They're better than those other four bad teams they played. I, I don't quite know what to make of them, except they're a team with a lot of experience who shoots a lot of threes and defends well, Zach. And... And once again, I kind of like don't love this matchup on paper. No, this one, I, I mean, this these two games could have the potential to get out of hand. They do. And the the, the real downside to this one is we're on the road, right? Yeah. And, and I've I've been to Carbondale a few times and, and I've it's seen rowdy. us win there, but I have seen us lose one of the worst games I've ever seen us play in person there. And uh, I, I still have vivid memories of that nightmare of a game. 
uh, when I, when I was a manager at SLU, I think that was my senior year. That's when I kind of felt like, oh, this season is going off the rails. Like that game was so bad. So, um, yeah, memories of Carbondale cut both ways. Obviously a team we played a lot over the years, but, uh, but this one's kind of intriguing. Uh, you know what? We don't know exactly how good Carbondale is, but I can tell you exactly how good two men in a garden is. And so can Peter. I can, and I continue to work my way through some cantina style medium uh, that 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 I've I've been working on. I got a couple jars of that. I got a couple jars of the dill pickles, which I said were probably the best best batch I've ever had. Uh, they're great, but I want to f- circle back on another product that I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was intrigued by, and they've got this sriracha granada, all natural green chili hot sauce. Uh, sriracha granada is one of their partner brands. Uh, that you can order on the Two Men in a Garden website in an eight ounce plastic bottle. Um, and I was excited to try this stuff. I got to say, Zach, it's really, really unique. I like a good green hot sauce. And I was expecting something more kind of in line with like a green Tabasco. And this one is really garlicky, I would say. It's a really, if if you're kind of into a green sauce, it's milder. They call it medium i think on the bottle and actually no they they don't even give you a a heat they just say it's low sodium vegan and gluten-free and um what i would say is it's it's a good green sauce that just leans really into the garlic element of it and like our friends west pine bills i i do make a white chicken chili over the winter and this stuff some tortilla chips white chicken chili just a killer combination so i'm going to strongly recommend that you pick this up it's a partner product of theirs it's on their website two men in a garden.com go over to their uh where where their their kitchen hub products are actually i think yeah yeah it's under the kitchen hub products if you hover over order products and uh and it's and go down to sriracha granada and it, it's really great stuff um once again put it on white chicken chili throw some tortilla chips on there and and you're in for a really nice late fall meal. Trust me on this one. It's at twomeninagarden.com. Let's move on to the women's side of things. Uh, they had a tough weekend in Hawaii. Um, they lose two. Uh, the first one being two. Well, yeah, they lose two. Uh, Wake Forest, uh, the first one, 94-66. Uh, Monday the twentieth at the North Shore Showcase in Oahu, Hawaii. Pete, uh, I I think th- this is another instance of the Billikens, uh SID athletic department falling short here because no indication that either of these games were going to be televised. Really, no, there wasn't, and I think I think we I, it was me. I'll I'll follow up to it. I mistakenly said that they wouldn't be that you could only listen along to this one, and that wasn't true. There was a stream. And it was um, on ESPN plus. Yeah. In the end, um, maybe it's for the better given that we lost by 28 points to a wake forest team. That was only one and three coming into this game. I oh. mean, I mean, I even tweeted out like, this is a great chance to pick off another power conference win, right? One and three looking vulnerable for an ACC team. They've lost to North Carolina, a and T Davidson, uh, BYU. Who's as we'll find out is really good. And then after this game, they lost to Villanova uh, but yeah, but, but before this one, it was kind of like, 
I think we've got a pretty good shot here. And we were feeling really good, right? Zach, after the the Missouri, the Missouri state and, and, you know, obviously the Chaminade blowout heading into this one on Monday. Uh, but unfortunately it just didn't pan out that way. Yeah, no, um, wasted in this one was a great performance from McMakin. Yeah, she was great. 26 points, 10 of 16 shooting. She was two of three from three, four of four from the line. Uh, when McMakin is over 50% from the field, I mean, you got to love it, right? I mean, the, the, the knock on her is also is always that she's a little bit inefficient, but if she's going 10 of 16, I just, you hate that that is happening in the, in the, the span of a, a blowout loss. Right. And, and not in a, in a win really unfortunate. Yeah. I, unfortunately I missed both of these games. So I'm going to have to rely on Peter. Uh, actually all three of the games we're talking about uh, Monday and Tuesday was, it was a whole story. Um, Brooklyn gray was nice in this one uh, as well as Calhoun. Uh, Julia Martinez though. Uh, she, she had, uh, a really nice uh, game. Uh, she reached 203 career steals. However, she left the game with an injury, and in the videos, she was wearing some tape around that knee. She was, and I think she had a boot for the next game, even. Um, so it was a little. It was you know there was some concern about what the injury is or was, but we did um, after the, after t- Sunday's game. Stu tweeted out that Tillett expects her back soon. So. Um, it, it sounds like just kind of a tweak and and not anything worse and and really, really lucky. Um, she did have seven points and nine rebounds, and like you said, set the new program record for steals in this game. So that was uh, that was pretty great. But what wasn't great outside of McMakin going two of three from three, the rest of the team went 0 of 11 from outside the arc. Um, I'm not sure how they only shot 14 threes being down by that much and trying to catch up, but regardless, they did not have it going from from deep in this one. Um, Wake Forest was actually more efficient. Uh, they went 55% from the field, 38% from three and 79 from the free throw line. Uh, you mentioned, uh, turnovers, uh, when talking about this game with me, uh, not, not good in this one. 19 of them, uh, compared to just eight for wake. Look, uh, this team is a little turnover prone. We know that they were last year. They play fast. They play frantic. And that's kind of the. That kind of goes with it. That that's right. They force a lot generally. So if you're going to cough it up 19 times, I want to see Wake be pretty close to that. But to only give up eight, uh, or, or to uh, to only allow for Wake to only give up eight, I guess I should say, in terms of turnovers, is is not ideal. Um, Wake also outscored Slew in all fourth four quarters. Slew did get to within 10 in the third, uh, but once Wake Forest recovered, they did not look back. Um, and and yeah, went another plus eighteen after that. So, not an ideal game in one that I thought we on paper had a pretty good shot in. Uh, BYU eighty seven sixty six loss. Uh, I was uh in the midst of a uh food post food poisoning fever dream. Uh, during this one, so I like I was in and out of consciousness for it, and uh. I thought at times, like I didn't even notice Julia Martinez didn't play. <laughs> like I had yeah. no idea until later. Um, right. But I, I thought they, in what I did see, I thought they were decent. It was just, I, I thought BYU was that good. 
I, I really think like the, it's hard in this game to point to any one thing and just say like, hey, we we did we did this wrong. Like this was a game where they just were not hitting, right? The Slew went 30% from the field. They shot 21% from three. Uh, again, 84% from the free throw line. This team is always reliable on the line, always. So getting to the line is is going to be something that I would be emphasizing with them all year long. It's they they just got, I think, outplayed by a better team. And and to BYU's credit, like they're six and oh on the season now. They look like a really good team. So this is not a a shameful result by any means. No. Um they they just didn't have it that day. Um Peyton Kennedy was really nice in this one. Uh 16 and 6 with four steals. McMakin and Clegg had 12 each. Pierre Simon, who I have yet to recognize. Um, I don't know who she like. I could tell you who uh, Markavia Shavers is. Um, I, I don't know who. Uh, I haven't really pegged uh, like what uh, Tierra Simon really looks like. Uh, but she had ten points, sixteen rebounds, sixteen rebounds, dude. I know. Yeah. And there was, there's was stretching in today's game, Sunday's game as well, where she was the only person who could grab a rebound for a while. She's a really good natural rebounder. The way I always recognize her, Zach, she's got long braids and with, uh, with red in her hair. So that's okay. to me, that's, that's where I, I get it. Cause I haven't re- memorized everybody's number yet. Um, but that's how I recognize her, that and the aggressive rebounding. She's a good rebounder. Unfortunately, the other big um, shavers filed out in 10 minutes uh, I think she kind of demonstrated that that preseason plan of legal physicality is not always going to work. You know, like she's in in this game, I think she was um, like kind of much stronger, I would say, than than the opposition BYU, even though they had some good good height, some good size and a lot of skill. Um, her her whole her physical approach in this one just was not flying with the referees, unfortunately. I am shocked that BYU is really good at three-point shooting. Shocked, I tell you. Yeah, it's just, you know, BYU, the thing about them is they always, they do always in every sport, like fit the stereotype you would have of BYU, right? They do. Like they just, and they're always really good in everything too. So that's. It's it's from it's frustrating because you want to you want to laugh at them a little bit, but you can't because they're they're just always so good. You almost want to like I, I mean like you I almost want to put slew as like we should try to aspire to be BYU instead of like a you know a Xavier a Butler like those schools have like one or two sports that they're amazing at, but like BYU is just everything they're just solid. Yeah, rock solid they never have any super down years they they're all they every now and then they'll punch way up mm-hmm. i mean that's the kind of program i want across the board i think i think sure. it's what every every school should aspire to be but um yeah uh byu out rebounded the billikens 43 34 uh only 10 turnovers for the bills in this one and stayed out of foul trouble for the most part uh, BYU, however, uh, did foul quite a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, with the BYU, exception of shavers really. Yeah. Uh, BYU six and oh, pretty good team. They are, like I said, no shame. They, they hit more threes than slew. They outscored slew in the paint, uh, with the exception of kind of the foul disparity, which is a little bit surprising, honestly, they, uh, they, they just, 
they were just a better team up and down and and that's all right i mean sometimes you run into that and it's kind of a litmus test of where you are as a program and not so much a, a sign of you know you had a bad day or whatever you know what if you told me that we lost this game 79 75 i would have been I, I would have been like okay when's julia coming back to uic today yeah yeah yeah, yeah instead the billikens win 79 75 Sunday the 26th, that's today as we're recording it. Tied? No, it was not tied 33-33 at halftime. It was 37-30. They were up by three at halftime. Oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry, that's the third quarter. I'll shut up now. Go ahead and tell the people what happened. I was like, I'm pretty sure I got that halftime score. I'll, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. I'm an asshole. We all know it. So they were inside thirty three apiece. Yeah, at, I was. At, at I, I'm. I, I'm trying to ca- like kind of catch up on the game so I can at least say some things here what that are sure. And I'm but, at the end of the third quarter. Look, so, look the, the crazy number at halftime, Zach, was that SLU had eighteen turnovers and UIC had fifteen, and I think they may have changed the official box score to show nineteen to fifteen later. I'm not <laughs> sure why, but. We we tweeted at that point, whoever protects the ball in the second half wins. And then neither team really did because you end up 27 to 25 slew in turnovers in this game. Like they just, neither team could hang on to the ball at all. It's crazy that this, this, you know, that there were what, 154 points scored in this thing because the ball was just ricocheting around the whole game. I don't know what was going on, man, but it was this was sloppy. Uh, it was it was really sloppy. And the crazy thing is, when they could hang on to the ball, they were great on offense when they actually got attempts. UIC shot 53.6 from the field and SLU was 61.2%. So I it, it's just one of it was just a weird, weird game. Um yeah, the Billikens uh were the beneficiary of beneficiary of a couple calls. Uh, down the stretch and they had to make free throws in crunch time and, and they did uh they went 18 for 20 for the game including 11 to 12 for the fourth quarter but the real story the biggest story of this game is yep. Peyton Kennedy who I mean is there a player that doesn't get accolades that just puts up numbies like Peyton Kennedy he has really emerged this season as maybe the most dangerous scoring threat, right? Because you've got McMakin who's going to draw all the attention because she'll shoot from wherever under any circumstances at any time. And then Kennedy is one of these players who she shoots the exact same shot every time, no matter where she is on the floor. Very, very consistent form. And she's got it working for her this year, man. Like coming into this game, she was putting up great percentages. And then she goes 12 for 12 from the field, five for five from the free throw line. It's crazy. She didn't even attempt a three um, and she's been an excellent perimeter shooter this season. So she's perfect on this game. 12 for 12, five for five for five. And that 12 for 12, by the way, is a new record for makes without a miss for either the men or the women's team. Um, So, so just a really impressive game all around from Peyton Kennedy. And from watching this game too, I got to say like, those were not all bunnies either. Like she made, a lot of um, contested layups, uh, jumpers with a defender closing out hard on her. I mean, she made tough shots. This was not her just taking whatever easy stuff came along. 
Um, really, really impressive performance from somebody who's been an assassin this year for SLU. You know who uh, stood out to me? By the way, uh, Peyton Kennedy is just like, there's just something about her. I don't know why. Like, she just stands out. She, the way she plays is just, it's, it's, it's more mature. It feels yeah. like than than most anybody. It's maybe it's that she plays so under control. She lets the game come to her. She doesn't force anything. She just is who she is. She plays within herself. Again, that's one of my favorite uh, cliches: play within yourself. And I think she does that. I, I like, but you say also she doesn't force anything, and, and that's where I think really the difference is to me with her is it's a like yin and yang. Every time she shoots you feel like it's a good shot. She does not take bad shots. I think that's a that's a big part of it. And so you wind up with that very consistent form, very consistent look from her. Um you uh, she her confidence grew exponentially last year and it looks like it's even higher this year. Like like she's she's been really impressive to watch in that sense and uh yeah, lo- love the way she plays. I would love a player like her on the men's team who's just you a are- reliable threat from the perimeter. UIC got away. Like they loved to push off in this game offensively. Yeah, they love to try to cross you over and push off. Like, like they're like they're Michael Jordan in Game Seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, but I was I was pleasantly surprised with the 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 minutes that Mia Castro got in this one. I, I thought she did some really really smart uh plays in including a little uh euro step drive to the hoop she came up short on that one but i i thought she looked good she rebounded just kind of kind of the same as peyton kennedy kind of just lets the game come to her doesn't try to do too much Mm -hmm. when she's called upon she does what she does yeah and that's what you want from her right is being a second year player and coming off the bench she gave you 10 minutes in this one, two and two. So she didn't put up huge numbers or anything, but she was solid, right? Like I, I agree with you that she just played her role well here. And uh and you really always like to see that. Um yeah. Uh one of seven from three in this one. Does it matter? Yeah, yeah that was that was odd. Um only shooting like I like we said before, like, why did we only shoot 14 against Wake? But here it's like we only shot seven in this game and made one that's it's, it seems uncharacteristic for this team um, to shoot that few threes, but I guess, I guess nobody was feeling it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to, I'd have to rewatch this whole game, but I just, uh, it's, I mean, if you're going to win, you're going to win, I, I think, but um, right. oh, well, I guess, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I wonder if it has to do with Martinez being out, maybe, the sure. people drive the, you know, moving the ball quicker, uh, getting point. more open looks. Um, Brooklyn Gray had 16, which is a nice addition, as well as McMakin's 12. This was a good game for Brooklyn Gray, too, because um, you mentioned the physicality of this game, and she's a big physical guard um, who scores in a lot of different ways. I like this matchup for her. Um, she seemed to have every bit of the toughness and then some that UIC was trying to throw at SLU. So I uh, really like this matchup for her. Big Macon's her 12 was a little bit quieter. Um, you know, she was not a huge part of the turnover party, but the ones she did have were really uh, could have been backbreaking. So I'm I'm really glad that that SLU was able to pull this one out because 
McMakin, I had one turnover in particular that was, I would say, as calling it forced would be a stretch. Um, she coughed it up and and gave up an, an easy two at the other end, and uh, it was that was in the last two minutes of the game. So, luckily, that didn't come back to haunt us. But she didn't turn over nearly as many times as other players on the team that day. Uh, I was curious because this their coach looks uh, familiar, Ashleen Bra or is it Ashleen Bracy? Um, I, I you know I don't. I don't know where I would have seen her from. I mean, she was at Mizzou as an assistant, and then she was also uh, at UAB. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, she just looked familiar. She kind of looked like Kristen Shelton. Uh, that's a that's a deep, deep women's basketball cut. I I wonder how like one, two, three people get that reference. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> next up for the Bills, uh, Wichita State on Friday, December first. Then back home to take on Ball State. On Sunday the third, Pete, let's let's hear about swimming and diving. Yeah, we we didn't get the results early enough. They didn't post them even on the the official website. But um, we we should have had them before. You know, last week the Phoenix Fall Classic, which was held at the University of Chicago on November seventeenth and nineteenth, and uh, we do have results to report now. Both the men and the women finished third of seven. Uh, ben Mears had the only first place finish, and it was in the one meter diving competition. He finished second in the three meter. Uh, Jedrick Camilla finished third in the 200 meter breaststroke, and Adrian Peseda finished third in the 200 fly. Emily Leonard was second in the 500 freestyle, third in the 200 free, and third in the 1650 meter free. Maggie McPherson finished third in the 100 meter backstroke, and Letty Williams was third in the 200 meter backstroke. A lot of third place finishes, and it was enough for them to finish third overall. They do return to action on January 19th against Omaha. So two full months off uh, before we hear from swimming and diving again. Uh, Pete, I, I think that's that's going to do it uh, for us this week. I, I you know, I, I really love when when we get to that point, like I love covering women's soccer and men's soccer, but when we get the time to just like throw out a topic and just go, I think that's, that's some of our best stuff. And I hope everybody enjoyed this week. And I hope you commented if you uh, came across anything uh, that, uh, that you did or didn't like um, we, we take all, all forms of uh, you know, if you've got a better idea than we do, let's hear it. Let's give us some, give us some uh, feedback on our takes, our hot I takes. Love- I love, um, yeah, not just feedbacks, keep the conversation going, but I love corrections and omissions. Is there anything we forgot? Is there anything we got wrong? Let me know. I, I know I can speak for myself. I don't take it personally. And, um, oh, I do. I, 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 I like, well, to, we know that <laughs> I, I like to hear that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, anything, anything, especially I'll say for myself, if I got something wrong or left something out, let me know. And, uh, we're, we're always looking to get better, but, uh, but thanks as always, everybody for listening and and for your feedback in whatever form that may come uh, yeah uh that'll do it uh pete as always go bills go bills go bills